You're listening to episode 61 of the Urban Yogi Podcast featuring Rosie Rees. Regarded as a changemaker, trailblazer, and boundary crosser, Rosie challenges societal norms and is leading the way in normalizing nudity and female sexual pleasure. Rosie Rees is the founder of Women's Nude Yoga and the creator of Yoni Pleasure Palace, a leading online boutique selling crystal sex toys. She's interested in radical self-acceptance, feminine expression, and being vulnerable, even if your voice trembles and your body shakes. She birthed her business from two things that she loves, being naked and feeling pleasure. A true hedonist at heart. She is her own guinea pig and only shares what has personally worked for her. Discovering the yoni egg in Bali in 2014 helped her to become more orgasmic, feel more connected to her yoni, and in tune with her sexual expression. She wanted more women to experience a sexual awakening like she had. Similarly, practicing nude yoga in her backyard in 2015 enabled her to become more confident and comfortable in her own skin. She couldn't help but want every woman to feel this way about themselves, particularly because 90% of women are considered to hate their body. And these two things go hand in hand. When we love and accept our bodies, we naturally become more sexually liberated. She says, come and try it for yourself. However, she hasn't always been this way. She's scrubbed muffin trays, she's made boost juices, she's served beers, sold lotto tickets, worked in fashion retail, and recruited finance professionals. Having come a long way through addictions, climbing the corporate ladder, struggling with body image issues, and escaping abusive relationship, she feels honored to share her life's work with women who need it the most particularly because she has been through it all herself and made it through to the other side. She says, let me guide you into a place of sensuality, liberation, and body freedom. You can reach her through her relationship coaching, nude yoga workshops, prolific Instagram stories, and her upcoming Yoni Egg course. I hope you enjoy my interview with the prolific and inspiring visionary, Miss Rosie Rees. <laughs> like my um I feel like you're like the big sister I never had um I'm one of four boys do you have any siblings I have a big sister uh she's four years older than me and yeah we never never really got along as kids actually we only started to get along after we both left home oh okay and what does she do I always wanted brothers too (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's nice to have brothers. I, I can only imagine what it's like to have sisters. But uh, what is she into? Is she into yoga at all? Absolutely not. She is the polar opposite to me. She's a geoscientist and she works in oil and gas and she's oh, wow. um, got two kids. I don't, don't think she's ever been to... Oh, no, she's been to one of my yoga classes. Yeah, not a naked one though, but um, she's definitely not... She's literally the polar opposite to me. Really? <laughs> It's funny how that happens, eh? Like all of my brothers were all very different as well. 
like one of them is a banker, one of them is an architect. Um, there is one who's sort of, he's been doing a lot of mushroom journeys lately and breath work and he's become, we've really sort of bonded over the last few years. Um, so much so that I, I'm a singer and I had him perform with me. I invited him, I was like, Edward, would you like to perform a duet with me on stage? And he's like never sung publicly before in his life. And um, there's something about mushrooms that are seeming to make people more open-minded <laughs> um, in a ceremonial context. Yeah, I've never done it before. Yeah, absolutely. I've only done San Pedro, but I have a lot of friends who are microdosing and, and going on mushroom journeys. It's something that I'd love to do in the future, but it hasn't been an experience I've had yet. Yes, you know, I've, I've done it a little bit uh, with some breath work. Actually, I did it with him, but I just find I'm a very airy person. So for me, the breath work on its own usually is enough to give me quite a profound experience. Um, but yeah, I could see myself yeah, on wow. a journey with like a qualified, you know, shaman with enough time to integrate after. I think that could maybe be of benefit for me. Mm. See, I'm super grounded. I'm like so here on planet Earth. It's not even funny. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I need that. And sometimes I feel like I need not substances per se, but um, experiences to really take me higher. I guess that's how yoga kind of came into my life. Totally. And you trained in Kundalini yoga, did you? Yeah. Initially, Hatha yoga in India. And then Kundalini yoga in Bali was nice. when I discovered that there was a yoga that focused on the breath. I was like, Oh my God, sign me up. Like it was just, it felt like I was getting, cause I used to be quite addicted to alcohol and cigarettes and just drug highs, cocaine, all this kind of stuff. And even sex, like, I mean, we can have addictions to anything really. Um, and then when I discovered Kundalini yoga, I was able to, yeah, I guess relinquish my reliance on those things. And it really helped me find that high, that natural high in my body and not really needing to outsource it or find it from external sources. That's like the same story with me. I, I've been teaching Hatha Yoga for 11 years and uh, about five years ago, I got into cocaine and it almost killed me. Like the cocaine in Vancouver is really bad. It's mostly fentanyl. Um, and then I lost a lover to a fentanyl poisoning and my cousin who left behind his young daughter and I had already stopped and I went to see a psychic and it was quite a tumultuous time in my life. And she said, you need to start doing Kundalini yoga. And I kept getting the message. So from her and then from certain students at country clubs who I'd had no idea would think would even know Kundalini yoga. They said, Oh, could you teach Kundalini yoga for the country club ladies? And I was like, okay, I, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so I did the teacher training and it, it's one of the best, um, best things I've ever done. I'm really glad mm. I did it as well. So powerful. Well, um, Russell Brand calls it the crack cocaine of yoga, which it totally is. Isn't it? If you have an addiction, if you're listening to this and you have an addiction, mm. find a local Kundalini class. It's wacky. Like a lot of the tea, like especially here where I live in Perth, Western Australia, mm. I, I still haven't actually found a, a teacher that I connect with yet. Mm. I find a lot of the teachers are sometimes quite, um, you know, quite a bit older and, but to be honest, it doesn't really like the message always comes through. It doesn't really matter who your teacher is. It's like the method works. It's like a series of ingredients, Yogi Bhajan put together these ingredients for a certain result and it works. It just works. Even if it is really wacky, it's so worth doing it. 
I totally agree. Thank you for saying that. How do you feel about the whole allegations? And I don't know if you read Premka, the, the book about Yogi Bhajan's secretary, the memoir. Have you heard about this? No. Oh, no, Rosie. Um, so Premka, who was Yogi Bhajan's head secretary, right from 1969, you know, for 20 years, she just released a book a couple months ago where she describes in great detail how Yogi Bhajan raped a lot of the women and young girls um, and how he actually made up the lineage that, you know, he was saying that this lineage of Kundalini Yoga was 10,000 years old and that the Sikh gurus all did this very specific Kundalini Yoga that he was teaching. But it turns out he actually took the chanting from a, a guru named um, Versa Singh who had an ashram in Northern India and was teaching just chanting. He didn't believe in yoga. And then he took the yoga from this guy named Brahmachari, uh, Devendra Brahmachari. And it was a lot of the breath of fire and a lot of the strange positions of holding yourself. And he kind of fused these two gurus into one um, form, a new form that had never been seen before. And then he, but he was telling his followers that, you know, he was appointed the Mahantantric and he received, you know, the blessing of his guru. Well, it turns out the guru kind of disowned him and, 1971 I think it was when he went back to India because the guru said you can't be having 12 female secretaries you know and having sex with them all and you know having orgies with them because we told you that you had to be faithful to your wife so all this has come out and there's a, a Facebook page of like 5,000 people and many gay men have also come forth um, I, I guess um, Yogi Bhajan would single out the gay men at, at summer solstice events and say you are get we know you're homosexuals get out um, and I'd first gotten a whiff of that last year when I taught Kundalini Yoga at a queer men's embodiment festival. And a bunch of older gay men came up to me and said, how can you think that you could teach Kundalini Yoga at this event? You know, we're gay. We're not allowed to do, we were kicked out. Two of them were actually in his ashram. And I had no idea. And I said, well, geez, you know, I didn't realize that. I'm so sorry. The way I teach it is inclusive. And I ended up teaching it actually naked, which was a whole other thing I got. I got yes. I got kicked out of 3HO for that. But, you know, you got to be... I, have, I think I have too because I, I started teaching naked. So I taught Kundalini Yoga for a year and I did many different sort of beginner series. And mm -hmm. then I started teaching naked yoga. And even though I wasn't teaching the Yogi Bhajan um, way of Kundalini Yoga, mm -hmm. I weaved in obviously Breath of Fire and, you know, Sufi grinds and stuff. It's yoga. No one owns certain positions. Cool. And um, I asked if I could teach yoga, Kundalini Yoga through the you know, the, the Kundalini Yoga Western Australian, um, you know, system. And they were like, no, because I teach naked yoga. It's like, I shouldn't be discluded just because I teach a yoga naked. So they're very, I, well, my mind is boggling right now and blasting open. And I feel, I feel betrayed and upset about that, all of that, because I'm a gay woman, you know, and I wonder if he even knew if there were women in there that were gay and if he would have done the same. Um, I feel like a lot of, yogic leaders to kind of really let people down eventually don't they like Bikram and Osho Osho Iyengar Patabi Joyce now Yogi Bhajan um oh. the list goes on and and it's it's almost like almost all of the major gurus who brought yoga to the west all had some sort of um sexual abuse thing going on um it's, it's, it's just a total abuse of power. And, you know, I, 
as a, as a, a wide eyed young girl going to India, like you almost put your um, guru on a pedestal. And I always did this with my Kundalini teacher, with my Hatha teacher. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time, because I was so impressionable and I, I, I mean, I have a lot of boundaries now and I know my yeses and my noes and I know what's real. But back then, had my guru made a pass on me or like, you know, it suggested something, I probably would have gone and done it because I was so, you just adore these people in front of you teaching you these ancient ways of of living. And it's, yeah, it's sad that this is still happening. It's really sad. And and it's, it's really sad to hear, like, I don't want to say certain names, but I really looked up to certain legacy teachers and certain young teachers of Kundalini who have a, a huge following. I'm sure you know certain people I'm talking about. And many of them are denying that it's even an issue. And I'm just yeah. like, you got to acknowledge that like a lot of women were hurt and a lot of gay men were hurt. And, you know, you can't just sweep it under the rug. I, I think it's, it's unfortunate. Some people like Guru Singh is acknowledging it and he's trying to create a space uh, for people to talk about the abuse and to process it. Whereas other people are just saying, no, Yogi Bhajan, you know, I'm going to keep my locket of his hair and his fingernails and my little locket around my neck. And he's a God. I'm like, no, he's a human. <laughs> and, and, and he, he, yeah. And I think that's why. Yeah. He, he was intelligent in, in the respect that he um, was able to sort of craft a style that's really helped a lot of people like you and me, it's helped us with our addiction issue. Mm -hmm. And then the dark side was, it turns out it was really dark. And it's whether you can separate that because I think a lot of people, it, it, it'll actually make them question their livelihood and, and their spiritual practices. And that's scary. So a lot of people probably aren't willing to look at that. Um, Yeah. yeah. I mean, I will still do Kundalini yoga. Mm -hmm. Will I, yeah, like, but it's, it changes something actually. Just hearing yeah. this now, I'm like, oof. I don't think it's as big a news thing in, in Australia, maybe, but in the States and Canada, it's almost everybody who practices Kundalini Yoga knows now in, the, in, in my circles. And people are, in a way, it's kind of a positive thing because when I was teaching at Yoga West, they found out I taught naked yoga. And they say, you know, what are you doing teaching this gay yoga? And I said, well, it's not gay yoga. I teach naked yoga to all genders. And he said, oh, sorry. And he even said, this is a legacy teacher. He said, I'm sorry. That's my internalized homophobia that I'm still working on. Thank you for correcting me. Um, And I thought it had all sort of come to a, that it all blown over. I took for lunch my senior teacher and I explained to to her that I'm not teaching, as you said, I'm not teaching Kundalini yoga as taught by Yogi Bhajan naked. I'm teaching a, a mixture of Hatha yoga with some Kundalini mm. postures. And, you know, I really don't feel that it's any of your guys' business what I'm doing because I'm not branding it as Yogi Bhajan Yoga. And sh- we finished the lunch date with her saying, you know, okay, please just don't hand out naked yoga pamphlets at Yoga West. <laughs> and I said, I won't. <laughs> and then three weeks later, I get this email from the headquarters in in Espanola saying, you know, you have violated your code of conduct. We know that you're teaching naked yoga. You've offended more than just your teacher. All these other yogis are upset at you. Um, Either give back your license to teach Kundalini yoga 
your certification or you have to basically stand before us in our 3HO court, you know, and explain yourself. And they were, they sent me all these emails saying, you know what, now when you teach naked, do you wear a head covering? What is the head covering? Is it a <laughs> turban? Is it a handkerchief? What color is it? And it was, you know, so that was this weird. This is appalling, Will. I am so sorry that you've had to go through this. Mm-hmm. You know, I went through it almost six, seven years ago now, not to that extent, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely was outed, like completely outed from the Kundalini yoga community. There's it ruffled vi- feathers. But I feel like almost because it's, well, I don't know, like there was no one ever approached me about it, but there was, I got trolled hardcore i had people posting youtube videos about me and putting me down i had articles written about me that were just trashing me you know one day we will be the you know we are the pioneers of nude yoga essentially and one day someone will look back and go you know had will and rosie not actually just fucking stood up for what they believed in you know because i feel like one day there's going to be a whole um, well, I teach uh, like a new yoga facilitator training and naked, I call it naked awakening. Nice. Um, and I'm teaching yoga teachers to teach this process that I take people through. I think for you, you teach like actual regular yoga classes naked. My, um, I teach a three hour workshop to help women unveil their bodies. And it's more of like a sharing circle and all that kind of stuff. So it's a process that I take women through. So I've, I've combined sort of, cause I got a hint. I mean, I've obviously never been to your class, but I got a hint of what you were doing. And I sort of felt it through the ethers and I was like, I started to feel called to do that. So I kind of fuse a little bit of the self-love affirmations with a sharing circle. We stand in a circle, we look at each other's penises and we, we go around saying, brother, you've got a beautiful cock. Um, and then I fuse it with sexual Kung Fu as taught by Montak Chia. And it's mostly straight men who show up and it's really beautiful. So, yeah. You, you inspired I'm me. just so, so in awe. That's just so incredible. Thank you. Well, I'm, it's amazing yeah. how many people are ready for what we're teaching, men, women, gay, straight, whatever. They're, I think people are really aching for it. And it's amazing since the lockdown, I've been te- I moved it online. And I get us- usually 20 to 25 men from all around the world, mostly identified as heterosexual. And um, it's, it's very powerful. So, so the blessing of this lockdown is my reach has expanded and I've got students from all over the world. So thank you for giving me the inspiration to, to do that. Cause yeah, I mean, yoga is great, but isn't it even more juicy when you confuse it with these other elements and make it a real journey? Absolutely. And I feel like doing yoga naked adds a whole other element that you just do not experience clothed. Like a lot of women will say, Oh, can I, do you mind if I wear underwear or can I wear a bra to this? And I said, absolutely not. You do not get the full download. You do not get the full transmission of what I'm trying to teach. I'm not necessarily trying to create nudists or naturists from this. I'm trying to create women who are confident in their bodies. They feel whole in their bodies um, and they feel okay with vulnerability because essentially getting naked is just simply getting vulnerable, emotionally vulnerable, you know, physically vulnerable. And we've been conditioned to believe that vulnerability is a weakness, you know, little boys don't, don't cry. Or, you know, girls like, you know, if you're not bleeding, then, or even, you know, any of us, like, if you're not bleeding, it's don't, you don't need to cry. Like, don't cry. Even when people are emotional, like they'll often say, don't cry. 
And so I, I kind of really outline in the start of my workshops because a lot of tears come up, a lot of emotion, anger, like sadness arises because you realize you, you're fully met with, you, you fully see and are exposed to how you talk to your body, mm-hmm. how you judge your body because you're fully, there's nothing covering you. There's no barrier. There's no, you know, nothing between you and other people you really feel it, you know, and you look at your body and you're like, wow, like I've been hiding from my body for so long. And I invite the women to, well, the first thing that comes out of their mouth usually in the sharing circle is, well, they want to cry and then they say sorry. So they apologize for their, you know, their vulnerability, their emotions, their, their not, not having their shit together. And um, so I always ban the word sorry in my workshops and yeah, just like being able to sit around a circle and witness other breasts. Cause I just teach women's um, naked yoga rather than I don't teach mixed anymore or Mm -hmm. um, couples, but um, for women, simply just seeing different shaped breasts and different shaped yonis and bellies and bottoms and legs. And Mm -hmm. it starts to normalize everything. It's it normalizes stretch marks and rolls and wrinkles. And it's just like, Finally, we get to actually see what a real human body looks like. Not a photoshopped one, not one with a filter over the top, mm-hmm. you know, not one with a whole bunch of makeup. Like it's, it's so raw and primal and you just, honestly, I can't believe this hasn't been done before. Do you know what I mean? I feel like it has, like, I, I think that in India, most of the yoga was done naked thousands of years ago. And then I think when the moguls infiltrated in the 1500s, and then I think when the British infiltrated, it was like a double whammy of oppression. And I, I believe that they, they sort of imposed a lot of their homophobia and misogyny and body shaming onto the country. Because I mean, yeah. many incarnations, the Lord of Yoga, he is neither he or she, he's a half man, half woman, beautiful, naked dancing being. And there's many images of Shiva meditating with an erect cock um, that I've seen. So I think that it was quite sexy back then, or at least that's what I want to believe. And then I think the Brit, I think our ancestors screwed it up. Screwed up. Thanks guys. Yeah, no, I definitely like when I was taken down a few years ago, um, by people who just didn't agree, like a lot of traditionalist, um, yogis, I really uh, get really upset and aggravated by it. And I'm like, well, that the Naga sadhus, the naked sadhus thousands of years ago did yoga naked probably because it was more practical you know they had a loincloth um but i'm pretty sure that came off and you know women couldn't even practice yoga um a hundred years ago let alone thousands of years ago um and i really it really hurt me a few years ago i um the media wanted to uh share what i was doing which i just found so amazing and so the we had it all videoed and I had this videographer come through and videoed the whole thing, obviously like blurring out um, nipples and yonis and stuff. But after it went to air, the studio owner was so upset at me and given I should have definitely explained, Hey, I have the media coming, but I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind that it would be an issue. Um, But because the owners of the studio were traditionalist yogis and you know, they, they weren't overly comfortable with it being, Uh, exposed that naked yoga was being practiced there I felt so much guilt and shame and like or like that I internalized guilt and shame that I oh maybe this is shameful what I'm doing like it's almost like I started to doubt myself but then I realized no I just need to be in alignment with the studio 
wherever I teach and it needs to be, cause I don't own a studio. I just rent out spaces, but I am now after that experience, I am so crystal clear with where I teach. It needs to be in full alignment of nude yoga. Like it's not a sexual thing. And I think that's what a lot of people think is like, as soon as you're naked, it becomes sexual. It doesn't become sexual. It might become sensual or it might become erotic, but that doesn't mean it's an orgy or people are masturbating. It just means that we are you know, in touch with our bodies and feeling like all of our senses rather than just the ones that are, you know, appropriate. Um, like our culture is designed. It's, it's based on a white colonialist paradigm, which says we're going to cut you all off from your sexual energy so that we can control you. So what we're doing is very, it's, it's very re uh, rebellious and revolutionary because it goes against uh, the paradigm that 99.9% .9 of the world have bought into, which is based upon body shaming and, and sexual repression. I don't know if you've read Power Versus Force by David Hawkins. No. Okay, so he talks about the levels of consciousness, the levels of energy, and how a lower frequency would be lust. You know, so it's kind of like in our media, you're we're fed these images of all these airbrushed women and men and we're kind of taught to lust after them, but you're not really allowed to be in your own body and feel really sexy yourself. So Hawkins talks about the flipped version of lust. It's higher equivalent is eroticism, which you just were saying the naked yoga can get very erotic, which is a very high frequency. And so mm. some people associate sexuality and nudity with lust, which is a low frequency that when they hear, you're teaching naked yoga, they automatically go, oh, that's a low frequency activity. But really it's an erotic activity, which is actually very life-giving and nourishing. But so few people have had the experience of it that they just can't compute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we haven't really been taught to be naked in a non-sexual environment. Like, mm -hmm. you know, there's nude beaches, even at nude beaches, there's a lot of people kind of masturbating in the dunes. Well, here in Perth, there are anyway, um, you know, and it's like getting the women to sit on a yoga mat and feel their, the, the skin of their vulva on the mat beneath them and feel the scent of their body and feel the texture of their skin and the way their breasts fall down and create weight and, and against the, their belly or whatever it is, it's like you just start to feel and become more present with the sensations of your body, which is eros. That yeah. is the erotic energy that pulses through all of us. And that's that aliveness. And if we're not, you know, channeling or in touch with our eros, but are we really fully alive? Like, are we really fully feeling um, and connected to our bodies. Yeah, I would say not so much. And a lot of the yoga clothes that we wear, A, they're made by slaves in third world countries. So what's the karma attached to that? And B, they're made of plastic polyester, which disrupts the electromagnetic field. We know that from Kundalini yogas, it's, it's better to wear real like cotton or hemp, um, but plastic. And they're restrictive. And yeah. restri they're just... It's not good for your vaginal pH. It's like, it's not good. You can't sweat. You can't breathe properly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I have a lot of women come and say, 
I never want to do clothed yoga again. And I don't blame them. Like you, once you do naked yoga, you literally never want to do clothed yoga ever again. I totally hear you. <laughs> and the blessing of this whole Yogi Bhajan scandal, it's like, I don't even care what they say. You know, they, now they've gotten off my back because they've got bigger fish to fry, but it's like, he made it all up. He was fucking all the women and being crazy. Like, I'm going to take the little bit that does resonate with me. I love the chanting. Uh, I love things like breath of fire and stretch pose, which he got from Devendra Brahmachari. So I'm just going to take that and a little bit of this and a little bit of Rosie and I'm going to make my own package. And I feel completely free now to teach naked yoga without any shame. So that's kind of a blessing of, of. Absolutely. And I think that's it. I think it's taking what resonates and leaving what doesn't. I'm just going closer to my internet connection so it doesn't cut out. And I remember I've got a beautiful piece of art behind me. <laughs> I love it. In um, an interview, because I've when I was going through that with 3HO, I was looking to you for inspiration. So I would listen to your podcasts. Like I just typed in Rosie Rees on Spotify, and then I would just listen to any podcast where you were on it. And it was so helpful just to know that I had a sister out there who was also teaching this. And you had spoken in a couple of podcasts about how when you first started that you would call yoga studios in different places in Australia and some of them would be like, what? And they would just be so judgmental. And, and you said that like at some point you cried and you're like, is, is anybody ever going to let me teach at their studio? And I just so resonated with that. I was like, Oh my God, I'm not alone. And just that feeling of knowing that I wasn't alone was really helpful at that time. You're, you really helped me get through that. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm, and you know what? I, I will never forget the time I had to literally call up. I think it was about 20 yoga studios in Melbourne and they all said, no, they wow. all refused to have me. And now I'm, I have studios banging on my door asking me, I'm like, are you kidding me? I have 20 to 30 women, you know, already like ready to come and that it'll promote your space and it's bringing in beautiful healing energy. Like we go through so many layers of, um, you know, self-love and self-care and nourishing ourselves. And it's just like, why wouldn't you want that in your space? But again, oh, you know, yeah. it doesn't resonate with everyone and not everyone's ready for that. And that's okay. You know, I think we've got a lot of work to do, Will. And I think we've got, um, yeah, it will never be out of work <laughs> with this work because I feel like more, and I've noticed, like, I mean, I've always sold out every single workshop um, consistently for almost six, seven years now. Um, but I feel like almost I'm getting more in demand. Um, and that's why I've started the, the teacher training. Uh, well, it's not a yoga teacher training. It's a facilitator training. So how to hold space. I require people to already be a yoga teacher. Um, because it, it, yeah, there's a lot that goes into being able to hold a safe space to contain and, you know, allow for vulnerability to occur and allow for women to feel safe to open. It doesn't just happen. You know, that takes a lot of time to create. I like how you said in an interview that naked yoga is a form of strength training. And you spoke of, as you were saying before, vulnerability and how to show up naked in front of a room of strangers takes vulnerability and strength. So it really is a form. And then you feel that strength that you've cultivated while nude, even if I you are wearing you. You hold yourself. Just you gone? I think you're cutting out. Come on. There we go. Technical glitch. You're all the okay, way cool. in Perth, eh? Are you in Perth? 
I'm in Perth, yeah. Okay, nice. Yes, so we were talking about strength, strength training and, and how to sh you were saying in an interview that I was listening to, to show up naked in front of a bunch of random people is like it's a form of strength training. And then that strength that you've cultivated naked, you even feel when you're clothed. You, you hold yourself differently. You have more of that eroticism. Tap, you tapped more into your eroticism. Oh, absolutely. I always say to women, the more comfortable you get with yourself naked, you become more confident and comfortable clothed. Yes. Like it's, yeah, once you really embody your body, like fully embody. And like I just did a coaching session on, with a woman on embodying her yoni and embodying her breasts and becoming whole. It's like we've really, like you said before, we've been cut off from the belly button down a lot of the time. And even for some women, cut off from the neck down. Like, oof. Don't, don't engage too much with these parts of your body. In almost every single nude yoga, I get the women to massage their breasts and massage their yoni. And it's not in a sexual way, but it's in a hello, like let's welcome these parts of our body home into the temple. You know, let's really create, recreate that connection because yeah, we've been really cut off and disconnected to the yoni and the breasts. And actually these are portals you know, for a woman anyway, for these are, and for a man, it's just the opposite. Um, these are portals to higher wisdom and higher states of ecstatic arousal and eroticism. It's like, why would we want to disconnect from them? Yes. So Rosie, walk us through um, one of your workshops, this three-hour workshop. How does it start? Can you divulge some of the, the secrets of the structure of it? Yeah, sure. So I don't want to give too much away, but because you're in Canada and probably you'll never come to one of my workshops because it's just for, for females only at the moment. Um, basically, it's a, so when we walk in, um, before anything, I get the women to lie, basically lie the fuck down because we usually they've come from like traffic and work and it's always on a Friday night. So, you know, go, go, go. And so I just get the women to surrender to fully just receive. I'd guide them through a really specific meditation, relaxation to really get them here and now. Um, and then from that, we go, I take them through guidelines because I think it's Im important for people to feel safe. So through me taking them through what to expect or what they need to you know, be aware of um, that might come up. So I create safety through speaking out the guidelines. And then usually we'll go through a sharing circle, which sometimes is more terrifying for women than anything else, actually, because that's the, that's the vulnerability piece. Mm -hmm. um, so I structure the, the sharing circles in a certain way that, you know, is, is, makes them feel comfortable enough to share. Yeah. And then after that, get them in their bodies, yoga. So it's usually a 45-minute practice, usually quite a yummy, like, yin juicy kundalini inspired feminine primal practice nice. um and then uh then after that there's a kind of a i, I won't go into that detail bit but it's a vulnerability exercise that we do that really breaks through the barriers Beautiful. and then generally um a sharing circle to close and some yummy sensual snacks oh sensual snacks followed by sensual eating <laughs> That's my one of my favorite things that you've taught me is sensual fruit eating and dessert eating. <laughs> oh, I just love watching you fruit eat. It's so beautiful. <laughs> we were at a house party with my friend Naomi and I, and she's a tantra teacher. And 
so we were just it was just so funny it was just a hoot we were both doing our sensual dessert eating and feeding each other and I was thinking of you and um Aww. yeah so great to be able to inhabit your body as you said in a joyful way and really spiritually reparent the parts of our bodies that have been shamed the most and that we've been cut off from the most and with men like a lot of guys who've been circumcised have a lot of shame around that and then for those of us who weren't circumcised a lot of us were forcibly retracted prematurely because um, there's a membrane it's just like having your hymen broken there's a membrane that keeps the foreskin adhered rigidly to the head of the penis and it's not meant to be broken or retracted until mm. anywhere from age six to 20 years old and so i mean i had my they the doctor yeah. ripped mine off when i was four and it was i can remember i was four lying on this this hospital table and having this creepy old man rip it and it was extreme pain so i there's a lot of wounding that happens in the root both in females and males um mm. So we, you know, we do, we do a lot of um, spiritually reparenting of the cock and mm. it does bring up, you know, 95% of the guys, it's amazing. They're, they're so into it. And then every once in a while, somebody gets very triggered or sometimes the guy will say, mm. oh my God, I love the class. And then a few days later, what was that? This was uncomfortable. I don't think this is good. And they'll send me a message on social media. It's very few and far between, but um, it happened recently. Uh, a girlfriend of mine she said oh I want my my ex-boyfriend to come to your class I said oh, are you sure because I kind of know him and it, he seemed a little bit conservative and she uh she said no I want him to come so he came and he said it was great but then he sent me a message a couple nights ago being like that was so traumatizing and you're a pushy person and this and that and I didn't know how to really deal I kind of took it as a blow and I didn't know what to say and then I just responded today and I said hey like I found that was hurtful and uh, you know, I'd love to, if, if you're open to have a face to face or at least on the phone conversation, just to talk about what, what triggered you and you know, what I can work on. Cause you know, I'm, I want to better myself, but to just be told you're, you're a pushy person. Oh. I can't, what am I supposed to do with that? You know? So, you know what? I call this the shame hangover that people have. And I've had it as, as in I've had students, go through the, I call it the vulnerability hangover or the shame hangover. Mm. So, you know, when you take people into such a deep part of themselves, when they come out and I always, before I leave the class, before anyone leaves the room, I, I warn them, you might have a shame. You might wake up tomorrow with a shame hangover. Mm. You might wake up and go, what the fuck did I just do last night? Was that normal? Is that okay? That was more than just a naked yoga practice that I thought we'd do. Like, because I do take them into really, you know, intense places. And so I just warn them and then I let them know, you can call me, you can reach out to me, have a buddy, you know, contact one of the girls that you connected with in the class. Because, yeah, we kind of go back into the real world and realize, oof, it's not, it's not the same as in that naked yoga. I feel a bit shame and icky about what I did last night. Um, so it's it's just remembering that what happened in the moment was right for you at that time. It's only when we leave the room, leave the, the sacred space, we go back into our normal life and maybe we even share it with a family member or somebody, a friend. And they're like, mm, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound normal. And then you start to mentalize it and then you go through a spiral. And I think it's just really important to warn people of that, but also never push a friend 
or a part or ex-partner or whoever to come to a class. Mm-hmm. I always say, you know, don't come with a friend because some women buy two tickets for, you know, you know, a slightly cheaper price. And I'm like, just, I want to make sure that that person that you're inviting wants to be there. Mm-hmm. It needs, it needs to be such a consensual practice. And sometimes it takes a woman three years to come to one of my classes. She knows I'm doing it. And I teach them every single month consistently, except for during COVID. Um, and, you know, I want to make sure whoever's coming to my class is consensually there and they know that they're going to be blasted open potentially. So I hear you. And I've even had, you know, I used to post photos of the class afterwards. I don't do that anymore because of censorship. I keep getting reported and they just take the photos down. So I just do not promote any classes with the photo. But also I had a woman, you know, I I realized that she, well, she didn't really specify that she wanted to not be in the photo and not being published on my Instagram. So it's also really checking in with every single person. Like if I take this photo, it may be on my Instagram or Facebook. Are you okay with that? Um, Because people will feel different maybe a few days later. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds you've had that experience too. Yeah, the, I like that, the shame hangover. Absolutely. Yeah, I think Brene Brown calls it, yeah, the vulnerability uh, hangover uh, in her book, Daring Greatly. I don't know if you've, if you've uh, read that book, but it's really good. I have. Yeah, love it. Um, yeah, thank you. I'm going to add that into my talk because um, I, I always bring up the fear of cock size because that tends to be a trigger that happens is guys will look around and then feel shame that their cock isn't the right look. Um, And then I talk about the homophobia piece, how internalized homophobia, you're in a room, I'm inviting you to basically arouse yourself and pull the energy up. So in our society, we would call that, you know, a circle jerk, but really it's not. And and we're here to basically, as I was saying before, spiritually reparent the cock and and the balls and love ourselves and i'll say like on zoom i'll say if you get triggered let's just cut out again oh here one sec okay so yeah no i was just i was just saying that um yeah every once in a while there'll be somebody who goes into they'll say oh my god that was amazing you're an amazing teacher and then three days to a week later i'll get this message that's the complete opposite like what was that that was inappropriate i didn't like that we were jerking off and I'll have to be like, okay, like, like I'm, I'm actually speaking with a fellow tomorrow who was triggered. Um, seems like I get maybe one every six months to a year where they're like, they got really triggered. And he was the kind of person who's saying, oh, I loved it. And now he's like, ah, oh, I mean, and I said, well, is, how about we, you know, are you open to a conversation? So I'm going to do my best mm-hmm. for him tomorrow. Um, and just, you know, listen yeah. to him and yeah, it can bring so much up to the surface for sure, especially anything to do with breasts, yoni, and lingams. Totally. <laughs> so it's a can of worms that you open when, when you do this kind of work. So it is important that you, that you offer that after service, that aftercare, that follow-up service, because I always make sure I email the women um, afterwards too just to check in and see if they're all okay because, yeah, it can really um, – I often tell women not to – talk to anyone after like don't you don't need to talk about the experience until you're ready you know don't go home and start unless it feels right but you know we'll often have the best sleep of our life or the best sex of our life we don't need to exactly like speak about it until yeah until you're ready to because it's there's a lot to process totally what would that sort of uh caring email be what what how do you phrase it 
Um, so I, I follow, I send them all an email and I make sure it's like, they can't see each other's emails. So that's a really privacy thing that everyone feels really, um, you know, that everything's confidential. Um, and I'll send them a list of follow-up questions just to check in and see, you know, what their highlight was throughout the practice, what was maybe the hardest thing for them to, that they, they experienced, what could make the workshop better, um, any like authentic feedback, um, and how they feel they'll maybe operate differently in their life. So it's more about a, a feedback form. Nice. Um, and you know, only usually a couple of people reply with feedback because it's, so it's very hard to know exactly how people are feeling, but, um, yeah, it's, it is important to at least offer them that, that aftercare because mm. yeah, it can definitely trigger stuff emotionally. That's really important. That's great. Yeah, I kind of do it informally, but I think I'm going to create some sort of form like that. I think that's really good. Thank you. Yeah. And then at the beginning yeah. of your workshops, you, you said you go sort of through um, an outline and, and sort of things that could potentially come up. What things uh, do you say at that point in the class? Is it about the breast shame or about like potential body shame that can come up? Just wondering how you... What you yeah, said. body shame. Um, yep, it's uh, it can be like anything, like just self judgment. You know, um, compare comparisonitis, mm -hmm. um, even body sounds, body fluids. Like I just really put it all out in the open. Like if you get, like a lot of women um, queef or fanny fart during the the practice, or um, might have gas and stuff like that. And it's like. Well, you don't have any clothes to muffle that kind of sound. So I really speak it all out because otherwise women feel all this shame and stuff. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, it's even just like, you know, if you're doing a forward fold and you had a pizza last night and you're feeling, you know, you don't feel confident in your body, I, I really invite them to practice ahimsa. So ahimsa is kind of like a pillar um, of the entire night, which is non-violence, non-harming non-violent communication to yourself in your mind and through your words as well to yourself and to others in the space. So yeah, it's essentially just being able to combat the body shame that might arise um, and getting them to just be aware that that might come up. That's beautiful. Yeah. So I, I do something similar and, and I even say, you know, if, if any body shame or even like a feeling of like what the hell are we doing like i'm a straight dude i'm not supposed to be naked with other men touching my second chakra i'll just use like um the mantra may the energy i'm sensing from others be cleared away transmuted completely and return to source and so it is and i'll get them to to repeat that and just different mantras like it is safe for me to breathe it feels good to breathe i'm breathing into my roots um, just a lot of throat. If I can sense people are getting uncomfortable, it's like let's just breathe. <sighs> Feels good to breathe. And a lot of sort of growling will get kind of primal, as you were saying. Um, yep. Turning the hands into claws like this, and kind of standing and going and like bringing the energy of nature into oh. our and then bringing it up and yeah. You know, yeah, it sounds like we're on the same wavelength. I use a lot of expression and sound and movement nice. to really get women at home in their body because that's part of the thing is a lot of women leave their bodies day to day or they spend so much time 
anchored in their mind, you know, rather than anchored in their womb and their body. And I think, yes, a simple practice of naked yoga really helps to, to create safety in the body. Yes. Do you do ever um, any of the female sexual Kung Fu? I'm thinking the jade eggs, hanging things from the, from the yoni, any of that type of work? I do personally. I've held a few naked yoga yoni egg workshops, which have been just profound. Um, but for me personally, doing my own yoni egg practice naked is just the most erotic thing I can possibly do. Um, I've done some vaginal weightlifting, very, very aware of the, um, the jade egg practices and their benefits. So, yeah, it's this, this company. What, hey. Yes. What's the name of your oh, yoni pleasure palace? That's the one, yeah, Yoni Pleasure Palace. So we sell jade eggs, yoni eggs, pleasure wands, glass wands. And we've actually really started to um, sell to, to, well, market towards men because initially, obviously, most of my products and my services and everything was for women. But the more and more I sort of delve into all of this work, it's like actually there's no separation, you know. Um, I would love to be able to hold mixed workshops eventually, but... At the moment, my, my main focus is women and their body image issues. And that's the reason why I just do the female um, focused work. But, you know, with our products, men, their G-spot, their prostate is inside their anus. So our toys, which are predominantly crystal and body safe glass, so borosilic glass, are literally the safest thing you could possibly use, especially our, one of our toys called the Medusa. And it's kind of hooked. It's this um, pure glass pleasure wand and it's quite quite thin but with a bulbous end and it just it's so easy to be able to access the the g-spot oh wow for men so yeah a lot more men are open to exploring this and you don't need to be gay you don't need to be a like homosexual yeah. to enjoy the g-spot i think I, I really want more men to explore that part of them yes it's interesting playing the edges and the boundaries when i'm teaching you know, sometimes I'll say, if you feel comfortable, maybe put some coconut oil on a finger, make sure your nails aren't too long. And while you're pleasuring, you know, put a, put a finger in your anus. And because in Montauk Chia, he talks a lot about like squeezing the left side of the anus to bring the energy from the testicles up into the left kidney, the right anus, right kidney, front of the anus up into the lower Don Chen, back of the anus into the door of life. So there's a lot of, I, I got to study with Montauk Chia a couple of mm. weeks ago. And he kept saying, like, if you're, whenever you have some time, just play with your anus. <laughs> <That was>, <laughs> <laughs> He's my kind of teacher. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Montauk. I know. Yeah. So, it, and then I can see, obviously, some guys will get uncomfortable with that. But yeah. at the end of the day, there, I'm realizing there really are many, many men out there who are, are ready for this work. And there are many, many women who are ready and evidenced in your, your classes consistently selling out and evidenced in my online classes getting bigger and bigger and, and, and it mostly being heterosexual males. Mm. Um, ever since so I saw about semen retention, um, the gay sort of contingent has sort of dropped off, which I found interesting. Um, but the market that seems to really work with what I'm teaching and what I'm passionate about is sort of the, the young, straight, dude sort of biohacker community mm. where they're looking to optimize their their bodies well yeah and, a lot more women want to have longer tantric sex 
Yes. And, you know, teaching a man how to retain his semen and to channel his semen is just, it creates more orgasmic experiences for both. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Um, I've been doing semen retention for a few years and I think the longest I've gone without ejaculating is 78 days. And it's amazing. I'm on like day, I think 48 right now, but like so much more energy and I can actually feel like, I think because of the forced retraction and, and sort of the shame in the second chakra, I couldn't feel my cock and balls unless I was fully aroused. But now, like, as I'm speaking with you, because I have so much juice down there, I can actually feel all my different chakras. I think also because of the Kundalini training, mm. it's much more fun to be alive when you can feel your whole body. <laughs> oh, it's so magic. I love to hear that. And I, I can't wait to share this podcast with my male followers. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> you have many male followers as well. And I was going to ask, um, are, are people able to purchase your um, Yoni uh, Pleasure Palace products and, and have them shipped to Canada? Yes. Yes. Usually it takes about five to 10 days to get there um, on average about seven days. However, since the COVID experience, it's a bit longer at the moment and a little bit more expensive. Um, well, it's longer, but we've changed to a door-to-door service. So it's more a courier. Um, which is slightly more expensive, but it's going to get there within five days. So yes, we, we have many, many clients in um, Canada and yeah, we, we ship all over the world. It just, it's just taking a little longer at the moment in this uh, current pandemic, but um, it's starting to ease now, which is fantastic. That's awesome. What would be like a, a short practice for a man who wanted to use um, a butt plug maybe for the first time, like I've been enjoying sort of doing it with Kundalini yoga because you're always squeezing the rectum and then it kind of pushes against the prostate. And I heard that actually sends a message to your pineal to secrete DMT. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think butt plugs are a great sort of beginning beginner's way to um, explore the anus butt plugs or the Medusa pleasure wand, which is really not intimidating. You want to make sure it's not really big. You want to make sure it's a small one. So we have a new one out called the bloom, which is pink, but I mean, that shouldn't matter. Um, And I think it's just, you know, really getting comfortable. It's about, if you want to open in your anus, you need to feel safe. You need to feel relaxed. You need to make sure, you know, if it's no one else's home or you need to lock your door, um, maybe a warm bath or a warm shower or a sauna first. And then like, just like that gentle massage around the anus with coconut oil um, and just that kind of sipping experience where you place the plug or the, um, the wand at the anus and you just allow it to allow your anal muscles to the sphincters because there's two anal sphincters just to really relax and melt open around the tip of the wand and like not forcing anything so sometimes it can take people up to a half an hour for even any penetration and that's i think it's just recreating that communication and that boundary with your body because your body will open when it's ready you cannot force it Um, and often women and men hold a lot of fucking tension in their butthole like you know, we're all walking around tight asses, you know, and, and like we stick up our ass and we're just like really, you know, trying to keep our shit together, literally. And it stops your anus from relaxing. Like the, one of the first things I get the women to do in my workshops is to soften their belly and soften their yoni. Like if we're constantly holding up the pelvic floor, this is, this relates to men too. We're so tight. Right. And then we can't let shit go literally. Like it's so metaphysical at the same time. 
And so, yeah, just really gently allowing the plug or the, the wand to, to go in when it's ready. Nice. And then when it's in, it's like explore what you want to do then. It could be masturbating with your, your cock or it could be um, walking around with it in or doing certain yoga positions or grinding, like just really, you know, noticing the sensations that it brings up. I mean, they say that men should have their prostate massaged once every four months to really help activate and stimulate their prostate gland, um, which prevents things like prostate cancer and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's a health reason as well for doing it thank you for saying that yeah some guys will will sort of even be aversive uh to you know even sitting on a tennis ball um so but that is sort of a, a preliminary thing i'll teach them like oh if you don't feel comfortable putting anything in your anus you can massage the prostate and i would imagine i think it's called through the, the perineum yeah through the perineum and i, I think it's called the skeins gland in, in females yeah yeah and I, apparently they're kind of similar in terms of the, them both being connected to the pineal gland and that sort of DMT potentiality, which I thought was oh, really yeah. by stimulating this, the G spot or the prostate that we can actually release little puffs of dimethyltryptamine from the brain. Oh, totally. I, I can absolutely hand on heart say I've had that experience with, with the orgasm, you know, with pleasure is, is having those, those higher experiences. I was going to ask you with women, like with men, there's always a refractory period. And I really believe in the power of semen retention. And when men ejaculate, there is quite a depletion of energy. When women ejaculate, is there such a depletion or is it quite a bit different? I asked about this in the Kundalini training because my teachers were saying how with ejaculation for men, it's best for men to do it once a month. Like that's the best, like max amount of times to ejaculate and for women my my guru said once a week had to have a clitoral orgasm is okay you know so it's a lot different for a woman it can kind of be more generating of energy um for me i probably have one clit orgasm a week and the rest of the orgasms that i have are usually internal and or g-spot or more yeah more body orgasms so um i definitely think that in the previously when in my early twenties, when I used vibrators and I was having clit orgasms after clit orgasms. Um, yeah, I felt really tired and depleted. It's almost like I could roll over and go to sleep. Like it was like, Oh, it's like a release. And that's what a lot of people use orgasms for is a release of energy rather than a generating of energy. And it's just a simple mindset shift really, or an intention shift, like wherever your intention goes, that's where energy flows. So at the start of your self pleasure practice, and this is what I teach in my golden Yoni membership. Mm. which is a private Facebook group um, for $7.50 a week for women. Um, sorry, no men. I feel bad to keep saying women. <laughs> but it's, um, I teach the women how to self-pleasure because we've, again, we've not been told um, how to properly, not properly, but like most um, energetically really self-pleasure in a way that gives us energy rather than depletes our energy. No, this is really actually very good, Rosie, for my, my audience to, to hear you because I do, like the preponderance of people who follow me on social media are women. Um, and the people who listen to my music are all women, pretty much. And I, I have been getting a lot of messages saying, hey, is there a woman out there who teaches the female equivalent of what you're offering? And I've always referred them to either you or, I don't know if you know Amy Jindra? I don't. Okay, she's a tantra coach from from Brooklyn 
But this is Thank good for you. about all your offerings. Yeah, the golden yoni, honestly, if you want access to me and my teachings and, you know, it's, I, I provide weekly content, weekly workshops in that group. I do videos um, and I hold follow along yoni egg practices, follow along guided meditations, um, de-armoring practices to help de-armor and relax tension inside the vagina. It's the best way to access me really and the most affordable for a lot of people. Um, but one-on-one -on -one coaching is, you know, I do... Um, coaching sessions for women and I have online courses and other stuff like that. But yeah, it's, and my Instagram, just like watch me on Instagram. I'm, I'm usually, um, you know, very vocal about what I share. I have no shame. I love it. I love it. And I feel like you're, you've really been a great role model for what it looks like to have a high caliber naked yoga brand. Mm. Um, the, the frequency of your brand and you as a person is, is very high, uh, high caliber. It's very, um, it almost feels royal, mm. like, like a goddess. It's like sitting on a throne, whatever that throne looks like, you know, it, I think it, I can really, I really resonate with it. It's really inspiring. What My last name's King. Oh, there yeah. we go. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told I've been royalty in a past life. So that's, yeah, I do. My, my partner always calls me a queen. Like I have queen, a lot of queen energy. Um, so maybe that's coming through, which is gorgeous. I love that. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much, Rosie, for being on the show today and for all your inspiration. And is there anything else that you want to talk about? Or oh, I feel like we've covered so much. Um, yeah, just, I think it's just like, do start doing your own naked yoga practice from home. Um, just like start with that baby step. Next step, start doing your naked yoga practice in front of the mirror. Mm. Next step is sign up for a naked yoga class online with you or with, um, I don't teach them online at the moment, but sign up for a workshop, find uh, one of our instructors. So we've got a website called nakedawakening.com.au. Um, and soon, yeah, we'll have, instructors all over the world so um i'm definitely bringing this to just society like just normalizing it in our society which feels like it needs to be done it's important work to be done so thank you for this um platform and our, our chat together today will my pleasure thanks rosie Mm. Ah, namaste <laughs> namaste oh what a fabulous chat so i have a um a newsletter called pillow talk and i send it out once a week and i will add this to pillow talk yes for tuning in to the Urban Yogi Podcast, episode 61 with Rosie Rees. What an inspiring woman. I am so grateful that she exists. I was teaching actually a women's yoga workshop down in Bali a couple years ago. And then I was talking about how I wanted to teach more naked yoga. And then a friend was like, oh, you have to look up Rosie Rees. She's freaking amazing. And I'm so glad that she told me about her. Because, you know, strength in numbers, right? It kind of felt weird. I was like the only person in Canada I felt teaching sexual kung fu and you know my own kind of approach to naked naked yoga and awakenings and so when i found out about rosie it was like oh just such a breath of fresh air you know it's really important to find your tribe and recognize that there's people all around the world who have the same interests very similar interests as you and when we can all band together then we just feel like so much more empowered 
when you find your tribe like that. So thank you so much, Rosie, for your inspiration. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you'd like to check out Rosie, go to rosierees.com. You can also follow her on Instagram, Rosie Rees. Uh, and check out her Yoni Pleasure Palette. She's got some amazing sex toys. I love her crystal butt plugs. Uh, personally, have a jade one that I can really recommend. Super, super good for stimulating the prostate if you're a dude, or the skeins gland, aka the G-spot if you're a female. And also all the pleasure ones are really, really great. Top quality stuff, ethically sourced, and just really, really great to be putting in your sacred areas, sacred stones, instead of rubber or you know, synthetic rubber and plastic and stuff like that. That's really not, it's usually made by, you know, people who aren't paid very well in developing countries, whereas the stuff that Rosie sells is top-notch quality. So go check out Ro uh, Rosie Rees and Yoni Pleasure Palace. Have a beautiful day, guys, and I'll see you next week for another interview on the Urban Yogi Podcast. If you enjoyed the music that was played today, beginning and the end, that's my Wild Horses remix at the beginning and Amazing Grace featuring Biff Naked at the end. And you can get both on iTunes if you just type in Will Blunderfield. Have a great day. Sadnam. Show